Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, my name is Bob Tarzi, a freelance IT industry analyst, and I will be moderating this EM360 podcast looking at application security, usually abbreviated to AppSec. Hackers have two main ways to find their way into a target organization's IT systems. They either compromise a user's access rights or they discover a software vulnerability. Many vulnerabilities lie in the off-the-shelf infrastructure, hardware and software, which can be fixed by patches provided by the relevant vendors. However, other vulnerabilities are introduced via the applications that organizations develop for themselves to address the specific needs of their business and its customers. Avoiding and fixing these in-house vulnerabilities is the responsibility of the organization itself. Of course, the best thing is to avoid introducing such vulnerabilities in the first place. However, developing completely bug-free software is accepted as a near impossibility. Hackers seek out vulnerabilities they know they can exploit, and these have common characteristics that are listed by organizations such as the Open Web Application Security Project. They include things like injection attacks, where it is possible for attackers to insert their own code into applications, broken authentication, where access checks can be bypassed, and sensitive data exposure. There are several ways to seek out and protect against such vulnerabilities. These include scanning code for common errors before it is implemented, scanning applications that have been deployed to check how they run in the live environment, putting in place web application firewalls to check for attempts to find and exploit vulnerabilities, and penetration testing, the use of third-party human specialists who will try to find weaknesses before the attackers do. However, some consider all these approaches are outdated and can be improved, and even that applications can protect themselves from attack. To discuss how organizations can optimize their application security, I am pleased to be joined by Jeff Williams, the CTO and co-founder of Contrast Security. Hello, Jeff. Could you start by telling us a little bit about Contrast Security and yourself? Hi, Bob. So I've always loved software. I started coding in the mid 80s and it really bothers me that we're not very good at writing secure code. Most organizations really struggle. In fact, the average application today has 26.7 serious vulnerabilities. So I spent my career trying to help organizations get better at doing this. In 2002, I founded a consulting company that specializes in application security. Uh, we did penetration tests and code reviews and security architecture work and training and threat modeling and so on. Uh, we were responsible for some of the world's most critical software. And I also helped to start an organization called OWASP. You mentioned it in the introduction, and I served as the global chair for 10 years. And uh, so I really enjoyed uh, helping to create 
free and open standards and tools and try and advance the state of the art. Then in 2009, Arshan Debirziaghi and I had an idea for a new approach to application security based on instrumentation. So instead of scanning from the outside, we thought it'd be better to do security from inside the running application itself. And in 2013, we founded Contrast. And since then, we've grown to almost 300 people. We've got offices in Los Altos and Baltimore and Japan, London and Belfast. We've got some amazing customers. So uh, 11 of the top 25 financials now use Contrast, as well as many of the top insurance and healthcare companies. So in your intro, you're right. Some people are skeptical that those legacy approaches you mentioned are appropriate for modern software. So hopefully we can talk about that some today. Okay. Well, we'll come back to the big idea uh, in a moment, but let's um, investigate the, the problem itself a little bit more first. With your background, you must be uh, well qualified to tell us something about that. What would you say are the main threats that organizations face through the vulnerabilities that they build into their own applications? It's really important, the distinction you made between sort of network and host layer vulnerabilities where you can just patch them with a patch from the vendor, and then the application security challenge, which is fixing the vulnerabilities in your own code. There's no patches for that. No one's going to tell you where the holes are. There's no scanners that uh, can just find that vulnerability and say, hey, here's the patch you need to apply. So organizations increasingly are turning their businesses into software. In fact, as applications sort of move out of the data center and move into the cloud and more things become software driven, the reliance on code is amazing. So the threat here is that we're not very good at writing software that doesn't have vulnerabilities. And if you can own that software, you literally own the business because we've turned those businesses into code. When I say what an attacker can do here, it's really nothing short of taking over the servers that run the business. You read about these attacks where someone's stolen some data records or something. It's much more than that. An attacker through an application vulnerability can literally own the business. They can do all the functions that that business provides. They could you know, corrupt the data. They could create false transactions. They can encrypt all the data and hold it ransom. There's really no end to the, the limit of what attackers could do to a business today because businesses are turning into software. What you're really describing there, Jeff, I guess, is, is the worst case scenario, the, the, the worst thing that can happen to an organization. An attacker gets to own their organization to attacking their software. So it's everything from just... I mean, it's still a serious thing, but just a, a data loss up to that complete ownership of the servers. That's what you're describing. Yeah, that's right. And not every vulnerability would allow an attacker to completely take over the business. But the vulnerabilities that would allow an attacker to do that are much more common than most people think. Most applications have that level of vulnerability in them today. Why can't businesses develop bug-free software. I mean, uh, you know, they've been doing this for a long time now. They employ expert programmers. And it, I mean, it's not just um, businesses. Of course, it's the providers of software themselves, all software, whether it's infrastructure software, application software, has bugs in it, many of which turn into these vulnerabilities. Well, why haven't we got beyond that yet? It's a great question. 
I don't think anybody really knows the full answer to that. You know, I wrote the OWASP top 10 in 2002, and it's still the same vulnerabilities that we're finding today. So, you know, we've had plenty of time to sort of stamp out some of these killer vulnerabilities. But I think, frankly, it's just the market has been pushing software to grow faster and faster, and people have prioritized new functionality over security. It may be more beneficial to business to push out a new application than it would be to go back and eliminate all those vulnerabilities. Just to be clear, the, you referred to the OASP top 10, and these are classes of vulnerabilities. So it's not like people keep making the same exact mistake again and again. If there's a most common class of vulnerability, I believe is SQL injection attacks or something like that. But there's a number of different ways you can leave an application vulnerable to that sort of attack, isn't it? So it's a... Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a class of vulnerability. So it's like a, a way of writing insecure code. I mean, actually, if you talk to developers, most of them understand what SQL injection is. And I've trained thousands of developers in writing secure code. And almost to a person, they want to do the right thing. They're interested in security and want to do the right thing. But it does end up being complicated. If you don't spend all your time focused on learning security, then there's lots of ways to introduce these flaws that just aren't obvious. Okay. Well, I mentioned in the intro some of these traditional approaches to application security and Two of the most commonly talked about I've come across in my time as a security analyst are to scan applications both before and after deployment. These are sometimes referred to as static and dynamic application security testing, which are abbreviated to DAST and SAST. You say, Jeff, and contrast security, you should say scanning should die. Why is this? Yeah, well, uh, the problem with scanning, both static code scanning and dynamic scanning of an application while it's running is that those tools don't have all the information that they need to make good decisions about whether something's really a vulnerability or not. If you're running a static tool, you only have access to the source code. And that doesn't really represent what the application looks like when it's actually running inside a web container on an app server in the cloud somewhere. It's quite different. And so both these tools have significant weaknesses in terms of accuracy. Dynamic tools, it tends to be that you miss big parts of the application because the desk crawler can't figure out how to access it. SaaS tools, they make a lot of mistakes because they don't really understand how the application's gonna look and they don't understand the entry points and they make mistakes while trying to calculate data flow. So in both cases, you end up missing a lot of vulnerabilities, especially with SAST, you end up generating tons of false positives. And in both cases, it really undermines the goal, which is to generate assurance that this application has been thoroughly tested. Okay, so uh, just to make sure I've understood this, static application security testing means you don't have the context available to you of the deployment environment. And dynamic application security testing means that those many corners of the application that rarely get accessed are hard to test. Is, is that about? That's right. And think about this. You know, most applications these days have a rich client and APIs on the server side. And if you're a DAS tool, 
it's very difficult to invoke those APIs correctly because you need to know exactly how to generate a JSON or an XML request that will invoke those APIs correctly. If you're a static tool, it's difficult to analyze those APIs because they're quite complex on the server sides in terms of the frameworks used and the data flow that happens within the application. And they end up just making lots of mistakes. And then you know that means that if you have mistakes, you have to have experts involved. And maybe this is really why I think scanning should die is that it, it's just too expert intensive. And if you have to have experts involved, then it can't scale. And in most organizations, the problem isn't you know, securing one application, it's securing hundreds or thousands of applications. And you just can't do it with a small team of experts, which is what most organizations have. Okay, so much for dynamic and static application security testing. What about other traditional approaches such as web application firewalls and pen testing? And of course, pen testing also requires considerable human skills. They're often resident in third-party organizations that specialize in this. Just tell us why you think those approaches, web application firewalls and penetration testing, have their pitfalls too. Yeah, so I'll do pen test first because that's more like static and dynamic. That's when we're searching for vulnerabilities. And I spent many, many years pen testing applications, and I love it. It's a lot of fun. You can find some fantastic vulnerabilities that way. But it's not really a way to generate assurance at scale because it's very expensive. Uh, there's not enough security experts in the world to pen test nearly the amount of application code that we're developing. I don't think we should kill pen testing. I think we should be much more sophisticated about how we allocate our, our pen testing resources. We can focus them on the really hard problems and leave the more simple things like the OWASP top 10 kind of problems to automation. Now, WAFs are different. WAFs you use in production to try to protect applications from being attacked. Again, the core problem is that they're not accurate enough because WAFs don't really have enough context to understand whether it's a real attack or whether it's just a complex request to the application. So in my API example, for instance, the WAF has to be able to understand that this complex JSON document or a serialized object or you know, some other very complicated payload is either an attack or safe, the intended data. And these days, almost every HTTP request looks like an attack because the data is so complicated. So WAFs end up both overblocking, meaning that the WAF blocks things that it shouldn't, and underblocking, meaning that it misses attacks that it should have stopped. And again, it's all just about having the right information to make that decision. Okay, but one other way that perhaps more vulnerabilities might creep into software is because of the change in way applications are developed and deployed. And I'm thinking in particularly of the DevOps process. That's where there's a constant interplay between, and in fact, the, the teams that develop and the teams that deploy software are one of the same. And indeed, some now use the term DevSecOps, which brings security in as well. So there's a very dynamic process between development and deployment which means applications are not going through long spells of testing and checking all the time. They're often going straight into production. That's right. Our goal is to get feedback to development teams within seconds of introducing a new vulnerability. 
That way they can fix the code and check in clean. And most projects that are using contrast very quickly get themselves clean. They eliminate that backlog of vulnerabilities within the first month or two. And then after that, they stay clean because when you get notified of a vulnerability, you can fix it right away and check in clean code. So most vulnerabilities after a few months of using contrast stay open for only a day. So it is very compatible with DevSecOps. And uh, I think DevSecOps is really important. There's really two major aspects to it. The first is shifting left, and that's sort of giving development the support that they need to write secure code the first time, and Contrast supports that really well. But the other aspect of it is extending right, and not as many folks are talking about this, but really DevSecOps also involves ops. So enhancing your ability to understand what's happening in the attack perspective in production is really important. And so Contrast gives you that visibility. This is our Contrast Protect product. And it'll tell you who's attacking you, exactly what techniques they're using, which systems they're targeting. And that visibility is really important. Of course, Contrast Protect also prevents any attacks from exploiting your applications. So it's quite powerful that way. And there's sort of the same benefits to contrast protect that there are to contrast assess because it's inside the application. It has much more context than a WAF, which doesn't really know what it's protecting. And so contrast can intervene in that SQL injection example we used. If it was an attacker attacking that SQL injection vulnerability, contrast would see the data flow through, land in the SQL query, and contrast would then analyze how did that attacker's payload change the meaning of the query? And if the attacker was able to change the semantics of the query, that's when we intervene and block. So we're not trying to block at the perimeter, we're blocking deep within the application where we have all the context to be sure that it's a real attack on the application. Okay, so let's get on to the alternative approach, the big idea we referred to earlier, which has led to you founding Contrast Security. And that is to make software self-protecting. How on earth does that work? Yeah. So Arshan and I had this insight that all the context that we need to be very accurate about both vulnerabilities and exploit attempts is inside the running application. It's all in there. The code is there. The configuration files, the libraries and frameworks and how they're used the data flow, all the backend connections, everything you want to know about the application is there inside the running application. And so we thought if there was a way to add sensors to the application itself, we could actually observe both vulnerabilities and attacks in progress and then respond appropriately. So that's really the big idea. And then uh, you know we've spent the last five years bringing that idea to market. How do these sensors work? You you referred to sensors. I, I I guess also I'm trying to understand how this differs from dynamic application security testing, which is also uh, the testing of an application in context. Right. So traditional DAST runs from the outside in. You're just hammering a website with HTTP requests and you try to detect whether you exploited a vulnerability. Contrast works from the inside out. So we use a technique called dynamic software instrumentation. 
And this technique's been around for 20 years. It's used by all the major performance tools like New Relic and AppDynamics. We just use it for security. And the way it works is as the application loads from disk into memory, the instrumentation APIs built into all the major platforms like Java and .NET and Node, Ruby, Python, so on, allow us to intercept that code, add in the sensors that we need in exactly the right places so that we can observe all the security relevant behavior going on inside the application. So in a sense, it works like a really highly specialized profiler. And then as the application runs, we can detect vulnerabilities and attacks. And I'll give you an example. So let's say I'm, I'm a developer and I'm building a, some web application and it's got a backend connection to a SQL database. Contrast observes that code as it runs. So Contrast sees that the uh, data come from, in from an HTTP request. It might be, uh, let's just say the word dog from a form field. Then Contrast would track that data through the application all the transformations that it goes through on the way to wherever it's going. And eventually that word dog might get included in a SQL query that goes to the database. Now at that point, Contrast looks back across that path and said, hey, did that path have the right security controls on it? Meaning did it escape the data or did it use parameterization to protect against SQL injection? If not, then we know it's an exploitable SQL vulnerability because we know data can flow through that path and we know the right controls aren't on that path. So we know it's exploitable. And that's when we report vulnerability. So it's much more accurate than tools like SAST and DEST, which kind of have to guess at whether something's really an exploitable vulnerability. Contrast confirms that by watching the application actually run. So this isn't add-on to those other types of those other methods for checking for vulnerabilities is not an add-on, say, to static application security testing. You say you don't need to bother with that because you've got these self-protecting capabilities in place, which eliminates the need to do other types of testing. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So Gartner called what we do interactive applications security testing. And uh, we actually do include some aspects of SAST and DAST inside our product. So, you know, we use a lot of different analysis techniques. We actually use a bunch of analysis techniques that don't have any names, things like configuration file analysis and backend analysis and things like that. But uh, in general, it's uh, it all's provided via this, uh, you know, this single instrumentation agent that you add to your application one time. And Maybe a major difference is kind of how you use the product. It's not something where you scan the application once a month or you know once a year. With contrast, you continuously monitor your application. It just runs in the background while you do your normal software development process, and uh, it's always there looking for vulnerabilities. That's really powerful because it means that any development team can do their own security without having to involve experts. And that's how we change the economics of application security. That's how we scale. And uh, just thinking back to the programmers themselves, um, we know they're not bad people. Programmers don't want to develop bug-free code. But is there a danger with this that they become complacent and, uh, and, and don't uh, deploy the best practices they they should have 
in the, in their skill set to avoid vulnerabilities as much as possible. Well, I think of this as more like guardrails, like, uh, you know, everyone needs help. Even if I wrote software, I wouldn't want to operate without contrast being there telling me that I just accidentally introduced a vulnerability. Some of the modern frameworks are quite complicated and it's difficult to know that the data that you're sending, uh, you know, to back to the browser or uh, that you're using in an OS command or something that, it, you know, it's difficult to know that that data has not been properly validated. So it, it's tricky for folks to know. So I don't think that vulnerability detection side of contrast, which is called contrast assess, I don't think that really has a danger of developers getting lazy. There's an argument that if you put contrast protect in place, which works roughly the same way, but instead it focuses on identifying attacks and preventing them from exploiting vulnerabilities in the application, a developer might say, well, I'm not going to fix that SQL injection because protect is there uh, and it'll catch it. But I haven't seen that in practice. And in fact, I think uh, most organizations won't tolerate uh, having serious vulnerabilities in their code anyway. So I, I think it's actually just another layer of defense and not something that people will rely on as a crutch. Okay, Jeff. Well, that's great. Thanks very much. Just one final question, if I may. Once an organization has uh, paid the necessary fees for access to contrast protect and contrast assess, what are the long-term cost benefits that they can expect from having self-protecting software capabilities in place? The key benefits is that contrast very quickly helps projects get to what I call the new normal. It's this healthy state where they've eliminated their vulnerability backlog and uh, they work off new vulnerabilities very quickly. So, you know, if you imagine how most organizations work, they're insecure most of the year until it's like the audit time. And then they quickly clean up, you know, they get a pen test, they fix vulnerabilities and they get clean for one day, pass the audit. And then the very next day, they're back writing code that's not secure again. So with contrast, you can live a much healthier lifestyle. You can keep yourself clean all year long and you can be audited whenever you want because you're always ready. And it's a much more cost-effective way of dealing with security. It's very expensive to deal with security late in the life cycle. By fixing vulnerabilities right away, you can cut almost all the cost out of application security, which is in most of that cost is human cost. So that's our goal is to empower organizations to do application security at scale. And we've been really successful at doing that. We have many organizations that are using contrast on thousands of applications in parallel, and they can get there very quickly as opposed to uh, you know, a program built around scanners, which just takes a lot of effort to keep going. I liken it to mowing the grass. And you constantly have to keep mowing the grass, and it's not like that with contrast. Okay, well, thanks to Jeff Williams of Contrast Security for providing these insights into application security. And thank you to you for listening to this EM360 podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com. 